and you're listening to Square One, a podcast where we interview entrepreneurs, investors, and executives at the cutting edge of business. And I'm your host, Ramin Shah. More than 25 million Americans were laid off in April, and that's just the official count. Economists are estimating that unemployment could soon exceed 30% and have massive sectoral impact, from service and retail to engineering and product management. Traditional tools, job boards, LinkedIn, etc., are going to be challenged at handling the volume we'll be seeing over the next few years in the labor market. And this is where vertical labor marketplaces come in. This week, I was thrilled to chat with Mike Slog, founder and CEO of Shift. Shift is a digital talent marketplace and community that connects veterans with world-class companies. Shift aims to map military backgrounds to specific hiring needs while helping veterans acquire new skills, secure referrals, and master the corporate hiring process. Shift extends full stack from education and reskilling all the way to mentorship and coaching. Welcome, Mike. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. Yeah, so Mike, really excited to have you on the show today and dive pretty deeply into Shift uh, and your perspective on the future of reskilling and and job placement. But before we do that, tell us a little bit more about your background and how it led you to founding Shift. So I started Shift after serving in the Navy. I was a bomb disposal officer or an explosive ordnance disposal officer for seven years. So it was this um, kind of a technical job, uh, was trusted to train foreign militaries and U.S. military personnel to stay safe around explosive devices. And so I got the opportunity to travel all over the world and do that. And so I always had this uh, pretty deep interest in technology and uh, sort of emerging technology and sort of the positive change that can be created by that. Um, But also during my time in the Navy doing this very like specific job, I felt like I was surrounded by some of the world's best problem solvers. Um, And so when I was separating from the military uh, about three years ago, you know, like everybody else, there's 250,000 people who leave the military every single year. And you just want to know what's possible. You want to know how your skills translate. You want to know how those, you know, sometimes very unique experiences might be a fit for a future employer. Um, And so I I, I tell this analogy sometimes, and, and this is the exact same thing that happened to me, is that you picture yourself walking into a job fair on base in some big cavernous aircraft hangar. There's a bunch of employers lined up across the, the, on the other side of the table from you. And they're telling you what company culture is like. They're telling you what it's like to work there. But for the service member, this feels like one of the most high-stakes, anxiety-ridden decisions of your entire life. You just want to get it right for you and your family. And oftentimes you're sitting on base in a very rural part of America. And so if you can picture yourself living in a major metropolitan job market or you want to live in a different part of the country after the military, it's just structurally very, very hard to get a job if you're sitting on base in Fort Bliss, Texas, or Fort Benning, Georgia. You want to live in New York City or you want to live in Raleigh or you want to live in Chicago. And so what we did last uh, uh, at the start of 2018 was a fellowship program which is a public-private partnership with the Department of Defense that allows active duty service members who are separating from the military to leave base, travel to the city where they actually want to live after the military, and start working in a corporate environment with one of our partners during their last three months of active duty service. So for vets, this is like the best deal ever because you get to put down some roots and really see where you would thrive inside of an organization for companies, the interesting twist is the DOD is paying the first three months of salary and benefits while you're ramping up to productivity at your new company. 
And so you alluded to it, but give us the brief, you know, before we jump in uh, too deeply, give, give us the brief on you know, what specifically SHIFT is and what the mission is. We're a career change company for military veterans. Uh, we see tremendous untapped potential uh, in, in the traits and attributes that are imbued by military service. And so over the next several years, we want to make a positive impact on hundreds of thousands of veterans' lives. But we're also seeking to reinvent the way that companies both hire and assess non-traditional talent, folks that have uh, great life experiences uh, and have something really unique and interesting to bring to the table as the workforce starts to change in the future. And, you know, it's, it's a really interesting time to bring in a new model and leverage technology in the staffing industry. You know, one of the biggest topics, as you're well aware of in the industry, is talent pools. Right. Let's, so let's start out by talking about veterans as a demographic, right? Obviously not homogenous groups. And, you know, one of the things that you've said before that's really stuck out to me is there are about a million and a half veteran men and women that will reenter the workforce over the next five years. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, this group of individuals, especially with your background and experience. Sure. I mean, I think that what many people don't necessarily recognize or realize is that the military is probably the most diverse workforce on the planet is people who sign up from every single city and state, from every walk of life, and they all come together for this, this unifying experience of uh, being part of something bigger than themselves. But beyond that, it's kind of hard to nail down like, you know, it, you know, exactly what a veteran is because it is such a diverse population, such a diverse group of people. And what's really interesting about this talent pool is it's folks that came from all these different walks of life and they figured out how to solve some of the world's biggest problems, most complex challenges together. So one of the things you get when you hire somebody from the military is they're really comfortable with working with people that come from a totally different background from them. I think that's really interesting in the future. And the second part, uh, probably, the, probably the second most unifying characteristic of everybody who served in the military is they had to do a different job pretty much every 18 to 24 months. So everybody in the military is this world-class learner who's able to translate their skills from one job that they did 18 months ago to this new position or this new role that they're in. And I think that's really interesting as the pace of new jobs starts to change in the workforce. I think employers are going to increasingly look towards people that can collaborate with other folks that come from different backgrounds and also folks that can either pick up new skills or new ways of doing things really quickly. One of the things that I, I think a lot about and I find really interesting in the way um, you just crafted that description is you know, running a workforce management firm myself and, and engaging with you know, Fortune 500 customers and providing diversity talent. You know, veterans are a source of diversity talent. Um, you have you know, men and women that are uh, incredibly organized, diligent, you know, have a whole bunch of skills uh, that are missing from you know, a normal workforce population. But these, these folks are also reentering a system that's not structured for easy navigation. I, I find this to be you know, a significant challenge um, for all sorts of talent on, you know, on the diversity side. And I, I think the result is a portion of a population that's, that's highly underutilized. Um, how, do you, how do you think about the implications of that, right? Not just from a you know, job placement perspective, of course, but really from more of an overarching macroeconomic perspective? Sure. I'd say that there's, you know, some of the barriers, you know, there, there's certainly preconceived notions about military service, 
But some of these barriers that I alluded to earlier are just really structural. You know, if you're living in a rural part of America, no matter who you are, it's hard to get a job if you want to move to a big city, but you're, you're located on a base and in a, in a, in a big military installation. Another source of the underutilization um, is, is the current resources available to veterans, or I guess how veterans potentially picture themselves or what they aspire to be in the future workforce. When you boil down a set of military experiences, you know, the common thread is you develop these excellent project management skills, dealing with really complex government systems and really complex military initiatives, where like a common task for a 24 or 25 year old would be get this plane that's carrying 120 people into a foreign country, clear customs with $150 million worth of equipment, make sure that that equipment arrives and accounted for piece by piece safely because many of it, uh, much of it is either you know, secure or, or secret compartmentalized equipment. Make sure it arrives safely at the desired location and then commence on this, you know, this uh, global operation with 12 teams in 12 different locations and you can't use like Slack. <laughs> so you've got... You've got folks that they look at these experiences and they say, I'm a project manager or I'm an operations manager. And one of the, one of the reasons why this talent pool is so underutilized is those types of roles are extremely organizationally specific. Like a project manager means something totally different at two different companies. So one of the things that uh, we encourage veterans to, to think through as they're considering their options is, great project management skills and some of these things you learned in the military, no matter what, when you apply that to a discipline like inside sales, customer success, or data analytics, great project management skills, no matter what you're doing, just make you a whole lot better at your job. And so part of it uh, is it, and, and that challenge holds true for the employer side as well. If you see a bunch of experiences that look like project management on a resume, it's kind of hard to picture where exactly this person fits in the current structure of how we view people's profiles as a backwards looking resume on the internet. Talk a little bit more about that, right? Before, you know, before we started the podcast, you were talking a little bit about, you know, how structurally, um, you know, products like LinkedIn, et cetera, are not, you know, are not really set up to, um, to highlight experience, uh, highlight the value of demographics like uh, like veterans, right? So talk talk a little bit more about you know I, I think there's there's a lot of opportunity right now and there's a lot of interesting conversations around the future of reskilling, how companies think about not just getting the right employees in the door, but really maximizing their skill sets. Talk a little bit more you know about how you think about what are the what are the characteristics um, that you really work with you know veterans that enter shift into on. Yeah, so with respect to the to some of the talent marketplaces that are out there right now, you know, I, I do, you know, I, I, I am really inspired by some of the leadership that LinkedIn is showing in creating groups and creating a space for people with non-traditional backgrounds to find each other. And so that's, that's a big part of it, but like many other broad horizontal uh, talent marketplaces, you know, they can, they can only service groups that have specific needs you know, say like nurses or say, you know, workers in the energy industry or military veterans, they can only service those specific needs to only a a certain depth. And so I think that 
I guess when we think about what happened with other broad horizontal marketplaces in the past, like Craigslist, some of those individual offerings, uh, when verticalized and they service their customers to a level that was so much greater than, than Craigslist was able to, they became really big and impactful uh, vertical marketplaces. I think the same thing is going to happen in hiring. Th- same thing is going to happen in talent. There's, this, there's, there's something that's really unique when you service somebody's very specific needs. But then there's also this incredible network effect that takes over that uh, even I probably underestimated just how strong the veteran network is uh, in pulling other talented, pulling other high potential veterans into their companies once they've landed in an organization that values their skills. So talk a little bit more about that, right? Talk a little bit more about the ecosystem you're building because I, I fully buy that premise, right? Vertical labor marketplaces, we see it, whether it's, um, you know, the mom project, you know, shift, rig, uh, rig up, right? Um, uh, there's been a couple that have recently been funded for nurses, right? You can really go deep and build, you know, a whole set of, you know, byproducts and, and offerings that are specific to that demographic. There's an interesting, you mentioned, you know, a network effect. There's an interesting flywheel effect that really does take place, you know, in a, in a meaningful way at scale, you know, in your business. So how do you think about the overall ecosystem that you're creating? I think there's, um, there, there are certainly interesting dynamics on the candidate side of the ecosystem, or, or maybe called the supply side, where um, you know the military is, I guess maybe surprising to some, is this like large community of communities. Like it's not one big huge community where there's one person that can tip over the whole marketplace. And there's five, you know there's four hundred individual communities. It's like the Army Supply Corps. And the Air Force guys that operate big radars in North Dakota. And so these communities are actually relatively siloed. Like the Air Force radar guys don't want to go hang out at the bar with the Army supply guys. (laughs) But (laughs) what happens after the military, we're all veterans, a lot of that just sort of melts away. A A lot of those barriers, a lot of those silos. You know, at the end of the day, we all signed up for something bigger than ourselves. I put, I put up a LinkedIn post yesterday just to you know, try to create more internal referral sources for folks in our community, uh, a little bit of, as an experiment. We've got over 100 people who responded who said that if you send me a military resume, I'll at least take a look at it. And the majority of those folks are veterans. There's tons of these military-connected allies, military spouses, and people who just inherently value military service kind of hard to target those people because you don't know necessarily who it is. But uh, to reiterate, you know, a veteran hiring initiative, for some folks, it can sound like a big, scary thing, but it really can start with one perfect hire. Because once that one person uh, sort of sees a future in that organization and they feel like they've started running downhill instead of carrying the rucksack up the mountain, they're going to start pulling other talented veterans into the company. And so what are the byproducts, you know, on that stream of thought, right? What are the byproducts that you think of? How do you think about, you know, expansion and, and the natural domains or, or value-added services you'd like to see, you know, shift expand into as you get more scale? Yeah, I think that there's, there's this journey that uh, somebody who's in the midst of career change uh, has to go through. Um, you know, they start on one end of the spectrum 
And a, a level of aspiration needs to be created. Like they have to be able to see themselves in a new part of the workforce. They have to see other people who look like them who are finding success and their experiences are being valued. Then they have to discover, okay, which part of this, of, of the workforce really makes sense for me and discover, you know, what skills do I have today that might be of value? You know, what if I learn just one more skill, like, you know, learn how to run a SQL query? How does that expand the aperture of opportunities that I'm a good fit for? Then you got to figure out how to sort of develop your candidacy, be really great in an interview process, be really great in an onboarding process. And at the far end of this journey, at the end of the spectrum, you're thriving in your career. You're mentoring other people. You're pulling people into your company. And so that's, I think that there's interesting byproducts that spin out of this. If we're really great and we have a high level of visibility into each part of this journey, like if we know the, you know, we, you know, we're working with uh, 50 partner companies that are hiring for similar roles and these candidates are helping the people who come behind them onboard and ramp up to productivity quickly, we have a high level of visibility into what a good onboarding process should look like. So if we have that, potentially that's something that spins off sometime in the future. And the same could probably be, say, could be said for the partner side uh, of, of the spectrum, the, the partner journey, going from, I don't understand military backgrounds, and I don't even really have time to look at these resumes, all the way to the other end of the spectrum saying, uh, you know, I'll interview every military candidate that meets these job fit criteria and they understand what military service imbues for specific roles that are open right now. It's, it's really interesting because I think that the deeper you go from both from an eco ecosystem perspective, as well as from a network effect perspective, you have more opportunity and ability to really extend across the value stack. And, you know, one of, one of the companies I've invested in that came public a couple of weeks ago, uh, it's Flockj, and Flockj is yes. doing, you know something yeah. very similar, right? Um, in, in really extending, you know, up the stack and, and vertically integrating, you know, first and foremost the skilling portion of the stack, right? And then they're moving downstream, you know, helping folks find jobs. How how do you think about that in the military space and for ships specifically? Do you see a similar type of you know vertical integration, um, or how how do you think about it in that lens? Yeah, so one of the initiatives we recently announced, it's called Shift Pathways, and it, it dramatically lowers the cost of tech education, allows folks to participate in outcomes-based education uh, at, at, a, at, a lowered, um, at a lowered repayment cap. We partnered up with Lambda School to provide the scaling portion of the journey and partnered with EdAid to originate zero interest loans that are tuition assistance for folks who are participating. And when folks pay back into this fund, it powers the next person to participate in one of these upskilling and reskilling courses of instruction. And so for us, what we found with facilitating our military fellows program, which happy to talk more about later, but you know, where, where we were really good was helping people discover what was possible taking 10,000 bad options down to 10 really good ones that are worth exploring. And then we were also really good at career services, which we kind of boiled down to uh, career prep, which is like preparing yourself for the physical act of career change. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, conversations, a lot of you know, iterating on telling your story so it comes across in a crisp and meaningful and a compelling way. And then just 
access to opportunities that you wouldn't have had access to otherwise through internal referral networks, through partnerships, uh, and, and, and through direct connections to people who care about military service. And so I would argue probably, so if we have discovery and career services, you know, the other probably big pillar of career change is education. And so many people who are leaving the military can translate their skills successfully and land in a new part of the workforce. Other people uh, look at uh, a career in you know, data science or web development or cybersecurity. And, and just developing one skill makes, uh, you know, can change the whole trajectory of their post-military career. And so we looked at some of these uh, world-class skill academies. We really loved the idea that this was 100% outcomes-based. So we decided to partner with them instead of building our own educational curriculum. And just in very early days, it's going really, really well. Um, and so when I think about, you know, what we're doing with this specific initiative, um, it's something that sits outside of the GI Bill ecosystem. And, you know, we, we've, we talked to veterans for three years before deciding on this specific course, this specific direction, because we saw the GI Bill ecosystem as something that's really well-serviced right now. <clears throat> you know, there's lots of code boot camps that are getting uh, accredited to accept the GI Bill, and there's, there's lots of uh, educational options for veterans who still have their GI Bill entitlement. But many folks leave the military without a GI Bill entitlement, or they've elected to give their GI Bill to their spouse or to their children, or they've already used it up in the past and they are still not at the outcome that they wanted by going through traditional educational channels. So we saw this as an opportunity to, to integrate with education partner and provide something that folks have already expended or don't have the GI Bill, a path to change the trajectory of their life. It's, it's an interesting way you've laid it out. You know, when I had uh, Austin from Lambda School on the podcast, it was interesting the way he described, you know, his business and the challenge of running it. He had, he had described it as, you know, part financial institution, um, you know, part, part school. Um, and there's, you know, highly divergent interest um, in running that type of, in running that type of model. And it's interesting to hear the way, you know, you lay it out because there's also, you know, differing incentives or different, differing challenges um, when you've got a core piece and for, you know, for surrounding pieces, you are, you are relying on a, on a partner network. You know, what's been the, what's been the most challenging piece? And I'm sure we could have a completely separate conversation on this, but what's been the most challenging piece of, of building the company so far? I, th I think it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge that a lot of marketplaces go through. Uh, it kind of feels like a chicken or the egg problem. Um, you know, we started the fellowship program, uh, and it was just like a one-page PDF document that, you know, kind of laid out something that we said was going to happen in the future. And we were able to find, uh, you know, the first 10 partners who are willing to take a chance on this because they were really eager to learn more about military backgrounds uh, and, and hire from the military in a different way because their old methods weren't necessarily working as well as they wanted them to. Um, and so, you know doing something that's just radically different than anything else out there is, you know, I think it's inevitably met with a fair degree of skepticism and, and I can see where it comes from. Uh, it, it particular to our community, there's tens of thousands of service providers that provide niche services to military veterans. And so when we went to, you know, military commanders and said, your service members are going to leave base 
uh, you know, <laughs> leave, uh, you know, for Bliss, Texas on a Friday and then show up and work for Okta in Soma, San Francisco on a Monday. They're going to be ready to go and they're going to be taken care of. And, you know, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of risk that commanders take on in, in allowing a service member to go do this very impactful fellowship experience that has a high chance of changing the course of their life. And so probably the most challenging thing for us was in early days, um, and I understand why it was met with a fair degree of skepticism, just a very low percentage of people who were leaving the military and wanted to do a shift fellowship actually got approved by their chain of command to go and participate. So even if the DOD says at a high level, this is authorized, uh, you're, you're, you're allowed to send your service members to do this, you know, the person who's on the hook at the end of the day is the battalion commander who has 250 people trusted in her care to make sure that they're safe and that their needs are, are satisfied. And so I think that's been uh, sort of the, probably the, the, the biggest challenge that we've climbed today is getting the percentage of people uh, approved, who are approved for our program from below 10% to now well above 70%. Um, that's just been, you know, it's kind of hard to celebrate the wins when like every day is hard, <laughs> but, but like, uh, the, that's a win for us. And we're really happy about that because now the net, now we get to build an enterprise go to market team and we have the candidates who are approved to go and participate in these opportunities. So it's just in a really exciting time for us because we know we have another huge challenge ahead of us, but it's one that, you know, we think we're in a great position to solve. It's a really interesting challenge because I, I think if you had asked me kind of from the outside in, uh, I would have I would have been able to parlay the sense of skepticism or the challenge in selling into a, a Fortune 500 type ecosystem. We you know we, we see that kind of daily from from operating the business and the challenges of of talking through um, you know really the power of diversity talent. Although you know it is it is certainly getting more more. Um, more coverage these days. Um, but I, I never would have thought through that insight of your first struggle and challenge actually was inside the military itself and getting the approval, you know, from the military folks first, uh, before you could really set up to even, you know, be in a position to solve that challenge you know, externally for the ecosystem. Yeah. Well, uh, to the military's credit, um, you know, I, I think we've seen that when something is working and there's real outcomes associated with it, and the alumni of the program come back to base and, and, and tell their peers and tell their commanders the experience that they had. And even if, you know, if, if I travel to a military installation and meet with a commanding general who's the, uh, you know, the, the, the installations, military installations, most senior ranking person um, and establish a connection and share outcomes, the position can change quickly and the military can go from being understandably skeptical to being really, really encouraging and really opening up the doors to, to provide more people to participate in the program. So I think that we've, it, it just sort of mirrors the way that, you know, the military has operated uh, in defense of our nation for the past two decades where, you know, we've had to, you know, participate in this, in this, you know, myriad of operations that are just totally different from each other. There's these common, fundamental truths that have that have held held true throughout the various operations but we've had to reinvent ourselves as a force basically every five years and so that's i think that's the thing that um 
you know, people sometimes miss about, or I, I guess sometimes don't necessarily see in the <laughs> tremendous bureaucracy that the military is, is that if something's working and, and it's verifiable through data, um, they, they can circle the wagons quickly. Mike, as we, as we round out the conversation, I, I want to ask you the, you know, the Peter Thiel question really as applied to, you know, military talent development. What's one truth, you know, about military talent development or, or reskilling that you believe that very few people would agree with you on? That's a great question. I would say, you know, the, the one I, I have to reiterate is when people look at military experiences, they look at, you know, this person was a pilot, you know, they flew F-18s. That's pretty cool. You have to be a pretty smart person and, you know, pretty good under pressure to fly F-18s. But oftentimes people really fail to connect the dots as to why that person would want to do something totally different. You know, why would they want to get into uh, field sales at a really exciting technology company after they just flew F-18s for the last 10 years? And so, what many folks are thinking when they're leaving the military is, I'm very proud of my service. I wouldn't have done anything else differently, but I'm ready to do something new. I'm ready to get credit for my past experiences so that I don't have to start over in the future, but I want my future to be accelerated because of the things that I learned in the military. And so when you look at military backgrounds, you look at military experiences, you even look at the skill translators that are online that say, hey, this was your military occupational code in the military. This is what jobs are a good fit for you now. That's actually the last thing the veterans are looking for. They're looking for something that is aligned with their, with their things that they value in terms of a mission, things that they value in terms of a purpose. But they want to get credit for these project management and operation skills and working with other people from diverse group skills that they've developed so that they can springboard into their next thing. Now looking to do the same thing for the next 10 years. Mike, this has been a, a really interesting conversation. I'm glad you were able to make the time. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the fantastic impact you, know, you and the team really drive over the, over the decades to come. Thanks again for joining us. Really enjoyed having you on. Thanks, Ramin. Look for the next time.